Ms. Ostapenko has no challenges remaining. Welcome to No Challenges Remaining on day seven, or actually now it's early hours of day eight of the 2023 U.S. Open. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by NCR's Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent, Timani Carriol. Hello, Timani. Hello. Hello. It's 2 a.m. in New York. Hello. Hello, yes. I'm back in D.C. I've, as people have seen on Twitter, we're sorry we didn't get to keep the original plan of the daily episodes. I've had a stupid deluge of technical difficulties. My phone died, laptop issues, parking issues. Got locked out of my Twitter account because my phone died. Anyway, happy to be here convening with Tumani late uh, for and it's some semi-emergency episode, I feel like, this result. We have a changing of the of the guard for the first time in 75 weeks at the top of the WTA rankings as Iga Sviantek loses her grip on the number one ranking and will be replaced by Arena Sabalenka. Iga was a defending champion in New York and had been in really good form in her first three rounds. In the first week, she needed like 49 minutes to thrash Kaya Yuvan in the third round. But tonight, as some people predicted she'd have trouble, she did indeed have lots against Yelena Ostapenko, the 2017 French Open champion who beat her 3-6-6-3-6-1. Ostapenko came in 3-0 against Iga Shantai before this match. People had known it could be problems for her. I, you know, I got to say, I kind of thought that Iga would would recognize that challenge and, and rise to it, even though this is something that, you know, anyone who kind of knows the head-to-head and knows how these games match up would have circled to money, but I still find myself sort of surprised at how it how it unfolded, and I guess it's a testament, testament to how incredibly well Ostapenko played in a lot of ways, but I'm curious for your read on, on this result and how shocking or, or not you find it in the hours afterwards. Yeah, um, I, I think ahead of this matchup, you know, people had obviously, you know, asked Shiontek herself about the the record, the three-love three, three love record that Ostapenko had coming into the match, and she she was clear that she is a different player from when they last played. Incidentally, their the last match was literally her last loss before the 37 match winning streak. Yeah, it's funny how sort of if you how history might look at this Iga dominance period. It's bookended on either side now with an Ostapenko loss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's inc- yeah, it's incredible. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so I I definitely thought that clearly she she's a a different player from back then and. And as she says, she has new skills. She's defensively much better. She can soak up, you know, her, her, the whole issue is that when she faces bigger hitters who can rush her, take time away from her, she can struggle with that. And obviously that's been the case this year as well against Rubakina, against Krejcikova earlier in the year. But at the same time, I, I do think she's improved in that in that sense and, and definitely, you know, c- can handle a lot more pace, knows how to, you know, soak it up and redirect it. And and yeah, and, and funnily enough, I think we we actually saw that in the first set today, mm-hmm. which um, that the match started off at just at a really fast pace. Both you know, the, Ostapenko naturally you know destroying the ball, but from both of them it was just the ball was moving quickly, and and while Ostapenko was on the offensive, uh, um, Triantek was soaking up everything and and responding with a lot of depth and making it really difficult to you know to to remain for Ostapenko to remain inside the baseline and so it was really high quality and and Sviantek looked great yeah yeah and that's what kind of made at least in her mind the the rest of the match more puzzling where it it's it, it, it very quickly flipped and and she couldn't handle it and and it looked like the the old matchup where she was just completely rushed for pace and and couldn't keep up with Ostapenko's excellent ball striking it was interesting in her press. She didn't get into too many details about Ostapenko's game. Ostapenko was almost barely acknowledged in the press conference. It was a lot about her 
for the weight of number one and things like that and, and somehow how she was feeling or not feeling the ball. Uh, but I do think Ostapenko leveled up. I mean, I don't think she was, she played, I think Ostapenko played a pretty good first set and I think she got even better in the second set and, you know, started that second set three love, made some small adjustments. And the thing that really struck me about Ostapenko was her, her movement tonight. I mean, she was hitting some pretty great winners off the forehand, especially on the run. And I don't think of Ostapenko as being, I think of, honestly, I think of Ostapenko as being one of the least mobile players sort of at the top of the game. You know, her, her fitness and her speed have not been a strength. She's kind of stands and delivers a, a lot of times. And I think the clay actually has helped her a lot in her career because it gives her more time to get to balls. She's one of those players, you know, with a big windup, not not maybe the most fleet player. But I was really impressed by her her fitness and her, her movement tonight. I thought that was really, really improved. And just also just how she, what I expected her to do, which we really did, was rise to the occasion. I mean, she had 80 unforced errors in her second <laughs> round. In what match? In her second round match against Avenisian only hit 20 tonight against, I think, 32 winners. So way, way, way in the green on the winners on forced errors. I was, I was impressed by her. I really was. I should note, um, speaking of the, the AT on Force Errors, she, she actually like referenced it in, in her press <laughs> conference and started giggling. I just like she's very self aware and, and aware of how absurd that is and how it kinda sums her up that we've we've seen the very worst of Alona Ostapenko in, in this tournament. And yet and the yet on the bigger stages we've seen the now seen the best of her. And yeah, I was, I was definitely impressed. I, I agree, she she it was a good Good first set all, all around. I think she served much better yeah. in in the um in the final two sets and and really kept Shriontek out of her away from her second serve. I totally understand why Shriontek was frustrated with her returning because Ostapenko, I think almost fifty percent of her serves were unreturned, mm. which is a lot. It went from twenty seven percent in the first set to I think forty seven percent in the second and then fifty percent in the third. So you know that that's those are quite unreal numbers for. Shiontek, who is normally breaking to, opponents To half me, it the just time. seemed like it was Ospenko hitting her spots. I mean, Ospenko is not known as a steady server, yeah. but she's obviously known actually for hitting spates of double faults a lot of times. But she was hitting, really hitting her spots on, on aces. And again, like, this is just, to me, like, classic sort of the myth of Ostapenko. And I think it was actually, I heard people talking about it on the broadcast. I was listening to the World Feed with, with And Andrea Pekovic and Ted Robinson, who were on it. They're debating this is the best match Ospenko's ever played, and for me, I think it is in a lot of ways. I think it's better than what she did at the 2017 French Open in a, as a single match in isolation, just because it wasn't like she was really blowing hot and cold. Like once she clicked in, like this was all hot on this big stage against the big number one player. And yeah, I, I I guess where I'm leading with this is a couple questions following on from this. Biggest one: Is this a bad loss for Iga Swiatek? Is this? She certainly seemed to be taking it pretty hard. Is this, I mean, knowing what we know, the 0-3, the bad matchup, how well, how incredibly well her opponent played, is this a bad loss for Igas? It's a loss that she should have should have won. Um, I think it's, it, I think it was bad just how quickly it, it kind of cas cascaded away from her and how she couldn't, She. I mean, she was down five love in the third set. She couldn't make it at all competitive. I think as a number one, as a, the best player in the world, you you would want and kind of expect to see her her rise up mm -hmm. to it and 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 have have a response even if she wasn't able to to win in the end i think that was quite disappointing but i mean it's a she is playing against a grand slam champion someone who's clearly a great matchup for her someone who played in, incredibly well and this and you know is such a great ball striker such a precise ball striker when she's playing well in, in terms of you know the her losing to Ostapenko, um I, I don't think it's a bad I loss. don't think so either 
I just think I think Ostapenko. I just think Pete Ostapenko is one of those players. Like I remember seeing what was it, twenty twelve, I believe, uh, U.S. Open. Bartoli did this once to Kvitova. She like bailed her six eleven in the, in the third set on grandstand. And it's just another one of those players, you know, like Bartoli has the same kind of thing Ostapenko had, and that they made a fun pair together for that reason when she was coaching her for a bit. Like can just get in her zone and start, you know, crushing the ball and be unplayable. For me, that's kind of level Ostapenko hit with how well she was serving, which is way, way above her normal level. And yeah, then the return yeah, is always yeah. in. I think the return and the ground show is just, I think her her ego's natural ball, I think, lands really well in Ostapenko's strike zone. Yes, there were things, I think, uh, I think I said her name twice, but I think Sviantek could have done more, maybe to do a little bit more pulling uh, Ostapenko off the court. Get opening things up a little bit more. She wasn't creating a whole lot of angles, but also she got so rushed all the time. I don't know. For me, I just think it's one of those things where it's like Ostapenko at her peak. You, you run into this this unicorn, this lightning strike, you know, that you happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time for it. And I I don't blame yeah. I don't blame Iga too much. I know that she's super dedicated, professional slash perfectionist at times and always wants to win everything and, and has been the best player. And I still think she's the best player, regardless of what the rankings are going to say next week. Unless, you know, if Sabalenka wins this tournament, then I can maybe reevaluate that statement. But I, I just don't think it's that bad a loss. I really don't. I think it's so explicable and logical. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I, I do think, like, I mean, she's a four-time Grand Slam champion. Yeah. She's been the dominant figure since the beginning of, well, since she lost to Ostapenko yeah. last year. So, so I think the standards are clearly high, and 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 she will go away, rightfully. Well, she should go away, hoping, expecting, and trying to to find new layers to her game in order to have some 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 you know be able to better neutralize and and play against you know opponents who don't match up well against her. Don't, yeah, she doesn't match up well against, but. I, I, I agree, you know, like fundamentally, it's not a terrible result no, for her. I can say disappointing, undoubtedly disappointing, 100% disappointing, but bad per se, no, I don't see, I don't see bad in this, in this loss. I see this as, again, something that any, a lot of people were buzzing about, you know, once this matchup came, that this was a, you know, the, the head-to-head was obviously already seen as kind of an outlier for how great Iga's been events, almost everybody. Um, and so, and they hadn't played each other this whole time. So it's this one kind of missing piece of, of Iga's, not that Ostapenko is an essential piece of the tour, honestly, for most of this time, because she does run so hot and cold, and her ranking has not been great. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's that that bad. I want to go to Ostapenko though, because I was looking at this draw. Can she win this tournament? Like, I, I gotta say, I always kind of thought that that Ospenko would have another slam in her. I thought she, she'd have because she because the highs are so high with her, and I think if she is peaking again, I mean, she beat Coco Gauff, who's her next round opponent, her quarterfinal opponent. She beat her in Australia pretty handily. And I think the fourth round there this year, the semifinal is against the winner of Mukova and Kirstea, which does not seem unwinnable to me. And then she gets in the final and, you know, she's one and in slam finals and we'll see who shakes out the other side. But I, I, I start to believe this kind of win. I, 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 I have to start thinking about it as a possibility. Uh, do you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. I think it's open between those players in the top half, um, Ostapenko, Goff, and Mukova is a great opportunity for everyone here. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think that Ostapenko can win. I, I think she's actually, over the past year, put herself in a good, like, interesting position, returning to the top 20 and just being... I, I felt like it was as this was inevitably going to happen at some point, where she explo- her form exploded and yeah. she got a big win and put herself in, in position to, to contend for a, a Grand Slam 
title. It's, it's not going to happen every, every tournament. There are going to be other, you know, 80 unforced error matches that she loses. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I think she's put herself in the position to contend for these tournaments again. And and as you said, she, I was impressed, also impressed with just how, how, how she was moving and, and the whole overall game out there today. And so, yeah, I think so too. And she loves big stages and every match will be on Ash from here out for her. Yeah. But it's open. I think. I think now it's clearly open. Sabalenka was was my favorite at the beginning of the tournament, and and, and she still is. But I mean, there's a lot to cont- mentally. I think she, she, you know, that there are barriers that she'll have to break because I mean, she could have won Wimbledon. She could have been in the French Open final. Now, now I, I mean, I'm curious to see how being number one suddenly in the middle of the tournament how that affects her as well. So. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's wide open now. It's interesting you, you say Sabalenka because your favorite. She was not my favorite. I thought she was really trending down coming into this event. I mean, just the results had not been great. I mean, she made semis in, in Cincinnati and then line, drive the ball into the stands, which she was lucky wasn't on camera because that was ridiculous uh, after she lost that match point to, to Mukova there. I, you know, she she's obviously, I think she was the best player of the first however many months of the year. You know, winning Australian Open, obviously, in that really incredible, incredible final against Rabakina. Uh, I still think the WTA match of the year, that Australian Open final. And then, for me, she's kind of cooled off a bit. And so, I I kind of see her in some little backing into this this number one ranking, just because she got it from, you know, a fourth round loss by her opponent. She hasn't posted a big result here, but I can't argue that she's been the best play, a, a great, great player over the last 12 months. And is deserving of it um, in that sense. Even over someone who's a pretty strong number one in Svantec. Kasakina, who's your next round opponent. Very quickly on Kasakina, I was watching her match against Greet Minin in the third round. I don't think we talk enough as a people, as a society, about how slow Kasakina is serving the ball. These are first serves coming in consistently <laughs> in the 60s. I have never seen anything like this. Honestly, <laughs> these are like, these would be Irani like second serves for but these are first serves from Kisakina. They have nothing on them. And it's honestly like, it's shocking. It's shocking to me. There were a couple of times in Washington where I think where the gun didn't register her serves. Yeah. Why, are, why are we not talking about this? Why are we not talking about this? Be- because when she serves like that, she loses sometimes. Not not always, but sometimes. But even if she loses, it's still it's still just like it's such an outlier in terms of service yeah. speed if you were to chart them. It's so slow for a top player. I think that I mean the shocking part is also that that's not you know she's capable of serving over a hundred yes, miles an exactly. hour. Clearly, she has a yeah. She's, she's not wrangled with some like long-standing injury who has like sidearm yeah. things. What is that? Yeah, and, I mean it's all mental. Uh, she actually, funnily enough. Um, so, so, so because in in her match against um, Kenin, it, it was the same, and I spoke to, spoke to her after the match with with Courtney Courtney Nguyen and and some other people Howard Fenwich, and yeah, she, <laughs> I think it was actually Courtney who asked asked about her her serving, and she was quite I actually thought quite defensive, just like she was yeah. she 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 said that is something that everyone everyone knows about my serve and. And I'm trying to find, you know, coping mechanisms and trying to find a way to make it work. And, you know, it's, I've, make, I've been making progress. But, yeah, it's still, it's, yeah, it's it's a, it's a massive, massive it's, it's, hindrance, hindrance to any sort of progress. It's diabolical. I mean, it's not like, it's not like Minin in this match was like completely destroying it all the time. Because it, it's almost like you have to generate so much pace returning this serve. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's, it's like a drop serve almost. It, almost. it doesn't seem to have any intent on it like that. It's not like... You know, late, late late stage Ronnie was really trying to like mix up her serves, but hitting them like tricky, but not 
fast. It's not nothing like that. <laughs> yeah. There's no there's no intent to it. But I just I just think it's I think it's wild. It's like for me it's so under the radar when normally respectfully it would be like a punchline this serve. It's like what is going on with this serve. And so we'll see what happens if she if she and it is right only late in matches because she can hit it during early stages of matches, non tight stages of matches. It goes over hundred in in the low hundreds, but over hundred. But yeah, for then it to yeah. be first serves like there was one at sixty one. That is, yeah. it's so, like, I could serve 61. I'm very confident in that. I do not serve hard at all. All right, so that that's the seven line consensus. But I do think Kisakina, I think, can get up for that match. I think maybe a bit of a feeling of some shakeup, and we'll see how Sabalenka responds to this. Some interesting people left in this job. Jabur, who's still surviving, has not looked good at all, physically or game-wise, in this turn, but she's still here. Yeah. Getting That match against Bojkova was, was a mess. Play played Shang-Chi Wen. Uh, the sort of all-American matchup of Pagula versus Keys. I think Pagula is my pick to win this tournament right now. I think that she's like she's never made it past the quarterfinals. So that's a, a dodgy pick in that sense, but I like her every matchup. I mean, she could play Vondrosheva in the quarters potentially, and she lost her Wimbledon in the same stage. But I don't know. If people start wobbling, I see I see Pagula is less wobbly. Is that crazy? What if Von Vondrosheva does the the Wimbledon U.S. Open double? It would be genuinely nowhere. shocking. <laughs> But, she's lost 10 games so far. It's true. And she's had not the easiest draw. Not like uh, some people have lost very few games like, uh, I don't know, Taylor Fritz or or maybe maybe Iga before this. Um, yeah, pretty good. All right, briefly, let's cover the men. Just want to do a little bit of a mid, mid-term recap. You something else to say? I mean, just uh, the other women's match, which was significant in a, in a different way, in oh, my opinion. Oh, golf was Nyaki? Yes, exactly. Yes. Let's talk about it. I mean, the, the, the first thing to start is with, with coaching, Kate, no? Mm. Set the scene. Golf was, you know, she she played an extremely good first set. She was, you know, found a found a great balance between attacking and you know hanging in the really physical long rallies. But in the second set, you know, as we've seen many times, Wozniacki adjusted. She basically shut her game down and refused to make errors and mm-hmm. and kind and punished the golf forehand. You know, just just went at the golf forehand until it broke down and. And by the end of the the second set, Goff was struggling. She hit 16 unforced errors in 400 unforced errors alone in the second set, mm. and then she was down a down a break at the beginning. She lost her serve in the first game of the third set, and so I think it was towards the end of the second set. Um, Brad Gilbert, her coach, and and Per Reba, her, her other coach, they were both just kind of after every point, they were off encouraging her, but also giving tactical advice and you know telling telling her what they thought she would should do and at some point she was just like please stop talking please be yeah, quiet just stop yeah yeah just stop <laughs> and but they kept on going and then of course the the funny thing ha- that happened was after Goff went down a break in the um the beginning of the third set Gilbert told her that she should strange advice against Carolyn Wozniacki of all it people was bad advice, she, I think we can say yeah <laughs> that, yeah that, that that she should hit with more spin and and be you know put more air under the ball put more air under the ball is what he yeah. said yeah more, more air under the ball and you don't get rallies against Carolyn Wozniacki and I should bear in mind like the the end stats also said that you know Goff was winning all the zero to you know yeah. points with zero to four shots she was winning all of them Wozniacki was winning the extended rallies as you'd expect but after he said that Goff did the complete opposite yeah. she uh, she attacked she attacked she attacked and she played great in the, in the final you know she she took it she yeah. said mug pushing will not win you slams <laughs> and and she lived up to it and won won the final six games of the set which was impressive it was impressive Goff was impressive and it was a really good tournament for Wozniacki also I mean this fourth round run some good wins over Kvitova and 
uh, Brady and, and and held her own against Golf, who's a real favorite to yeah. win this tournament for sure, and has been the player of the summer. So Caroline should leave with her head held high. I want to talk more existentially about the coaching, if we can. This has been a tournament, obviously, the first sort of the most, the chattiest, most coached tournament on court of yeah. all time. Mm-hmm. I, I'll start with a value judgment. I'm not personally enjoying this change. I don't need all this talking when I'm watching matches on, on screen. It's too much. And a lot of times I just want these people, these mostly men, to shut up. And I feel yeah. a lot of times like <laughs> the players must feel this way too. And certainly golf snapped at that one point when she just had enough. You know, maybe there's a rise in, in as soon as there's a rise in players throwing people out of their boxes because the coaches starting on time. And I will say the coaches are new at this. Coaches have not been able to talk in an unfettered, unfiltered sometimes way during matches. The one that was interesting was Ben Shelton was having these conversations with his dad, I guess, in his box, and his, his dad is his coach, Brian Shelton, and was like talking a fair amount of trash about Tommy. During, during, yeah. like, he can't handle, like, you have no pace in the forehand, he can't do anything, he can't do, like, just sort of, like, opening a conversation <laughs> in a kind of way that you sometimes would get in, like, Laver Cup bench chats. It was kind of the only time you really hear that mid-match, but I was just thinking, like, does, does Ben realize, like, Tommy's going to hear all this or will hear about all this very soon? I don't know. It's just sort of, it's, that was kind of interesting yeah. and fun, but also it was but, radically different. It, it really does change yeah. the soundscape of a match dramatically. I remember this happening in United Cup also, which had a lot of coaching during it, during back in January, the mixed team event. I remember Tim Hemman particularly, who was the, the, the Britain coach uh, or captain, whatever they called it for that event, really being just not shutting up and just being so loud and being miked. And you hear these coaches who are miked all the time. And I just, I don't, I don't know that as if you were, I think it gives some insights into things, but as just a, for the general like experience of watching a match, it's a, it's a lot of running dialogue sometimes. It's often very vapid and often not very insightful. A lot of, come on, you got this, let's go, da-da-da. But just, like, in the sound mixing, it's quite quite prominent. And I don't know that it's a positive. And I, I don't know that, yeah, I don't I don't, I don't don't know why we got here in tennis, and I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. It's, it's also just, I, I don't know how we, like, pre-COVID, we, it was on-court coaching time, you know, during change of ends and, and after sets. And it's just gone in a completely different direction. And I think if if they're really, you know, so desperate to introduce coaching in tennis, we might as well just go back to how it was, you know, on the WTA before with yeah. coaches coming onto the court. It's not this all a reaction to the Serena Mortoglu situation in the 2018 US Open final of that controversial penalty against her. Instead of saying, like, we can't enforce this well, let's just open the floodgates and let it all Rain, run wild. Yeah, it seems like a reaction to that still, which just seems like an overreaction, especially because Serena didn't even want to be coached in that moment. Yeah. Very famous, yeah. they did not want coaching. And so I was thinking, I was thinking as Ben Sheldon was talking and really doing a lot of like inner monologue, kind of like trash talking, just sharing with his team. Like, gosh, imagine if like Serena had been like openly talking about her thoughts and feelings during matches. It would have been the craziest thing. <laughs> it's like, here's how I really feel about this opponent right now. <laughs> like, what? would have been wild <laughs> but i don't know that it's for better or for worse I, i'm i'm not sold i don't love it no me neither okay other quick notes on the men's side we have these quarterfinals set there are three american men in the bottom half quarterfinals the aforementioned ben shelton will play francis tiafo in the first quarter which will be a lot of fun hopefully uh, and then taylor fritz who's had a really easy draw to this quarterfinal he put he beat uh, steve johnson jp Varelis, menchik and stricker to make a quarterfinal of a slam. But his other quarterfinal run, 
at Wimbledon 20, uh, last year was also really easy. So good for him for taking advantage of these when he can. He plays Djokovic next. Djokovic, I got to say, has not looked super convincing. Uh, that match against uh, Lazo Jerry, obviously, was down two sets to love in the third round. Not the most convincing performance against Borna Goyo uh, tonight in this preceding match in the night session. I... I gotta say, if 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 I think that he can beat Fritz, I think Fritz is a good matchup for him, just on pure athleticism. But if he gets an inform and crowd supported Shelton or Tiafo in the semis, I don't know. I could see. I mean, Novak's only won this tournament three times. It's been it has not been a good tournament for him by his, his standards. I could see him potentially being vulnerable before the final. Do you agree or disagree? I think it's tough. I, I mean, I think Tiafo has the best chance, um, mm-hmm. given. Last year, given his, his experience, given, you know, he's beaten, even he's beaten Nadal uh, yeah. at the US Open. I think he has a, and he just, I've, I've enjoyed just how, I don't know, he's, he's it's for so long TFO has been the underdog, right? Yeah. And it's just interesting and kind of fascinating to see him as the kind of established player now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was, he's playing Shelton and he was saying, I'm going to be the vet out there. <laughs> and so that's just interesting to see after him being that, the underdog his entire life. Including, you know, before he was even a professional. Sure. So, and I think he's he's warm to it, and I think he'll, he'll enjoy the st- the chance of facing Djokovic on the big stage. But I mean, I, I always, honestly, un- until until I, I I have any you know real reason to say otherwise, I just I I expect to see Djokovic in in the final. Just brief word on how amazing Djokovic is, and I know we've talked about this before, but like he's down two sets to Laszlo Jerry. He gets one break in the third, and everyone thinks it's over. <laughs> everyone <laughs> thinks, including us. Everyone thinks us. All everyone in tennis, anyone who has any pulse, knows that Djokovic yeah. winning this match. He can be down two sets and up like literally like one love or two one or whatever it was in the third set, and like oh, yeah. it's over. <laughs> this guy's done. Yeah. No I, chance. I think Akira said he he went to bed off at with Djokovic two sets down. And he was like, oh, I, I expect Novak to win. Yeah, and totally. and it's just fun. It's just funny how Novak has somehow managed to make. A, a, a comeback from two sets down a f- and a five-set match look one-sided. Yes. And, like, not even close to, to losing, even though you're down two sets. It's really incredible. It's just, he's created a new genre of, of five-set matches. That are not and, thrillers. You know, credit to him. Yeah, it's just, it happened. And recently, it happened with, I mean, all of those Center recent comebacks. Again, Sid- yeah. Yeah, Sinner Wimbledon, Musetti. I mean, Musetti uh, French Open was the, was the most one-sided. That man couldn't even, you know, finish the match. He, he quit so the crowd and, and would then, be spared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, even, I mean, Tsitsipas at the the same tournament, the French yeah. Open final. Again, it just as soon as the momentum shifts, he takes it and he doesn't give it back. And well, credit to him, you know, it, it seems to only, you know, he, he left saying that, that he thinks that it's a message to the the field that you know his his fitness and you know his endurance and his mental endurance in these matches is still there. So as I said, I I you know, I I think TFO probably has the best best chance of of the three Americans if if he makes it to the semi final. But this is Novak Djokovic, and I expect to see him in that semi final. It's almost like it's almost like you have to give Djokovic one of the first two sets to have a chance. <laughs> if you win the first yeah. two, no way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been interesting to see how Djokovic unfolds, and it's just interesting. You know, I've talked with Courtney and on this show before about this about why Djokovic has only won the U.S. Open three times. Then I will wrap this up because we got to get going, and it's middle of the night here. But I do think there is something about the overall wear and tear and the mileage he accumulates throughout the year, catching up to him at some point in New York, mentally, physically, whatever it is. 
And I did seem to see that in that with how flat he was against Jerry. And I was not overly convinced in those last two sets, especially against Borna Goyo. So I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think it'll be Fritz. Although Fritz will have nothing to lose and will have crowd on his side. Um, I could see Fritz taking a set off him at least. Oh, for sure. Um, and Fritz, yeah, Fritz for is sure. actually, he's oh and whatever against him. But Fritz has had some, some close matches against him. There's a five setter, which was battling an injury uh, in Australia in 2021. And then also a Rome yep. a Rome match where Djokovic completely lost his his poo. God. <laughs> so so I just want to say like they they showed like ESPN showed footage of that five set match at the Australian Open and it's so surreal when you see those matches with no no one in the stands. And, yeah. Like we that that thing happened. I was just we, talking we about this on that. the last episode with with Andrew Eccles because uh, I was talking about in the context of he was talking about sort of falling out of tennis being depressing for him during the pandemic and. And yeah, I had that when I was going back doing this research for the Naomi Osaka book. Pre-order now. Link in description. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Chimani's read some of it. He liked it. I did. Pre-order it. Yeah. Thank you for that. But yeah, but going back and revisiting the 2020 US Open, 2021 Australian Open, and even Rome, which also was crowdless 2021, it's grim. It was it's just bizarre. It's like, a. I think we all kind of put on a, I said this last night, but I said all put, kind of put on a brave face and we're like, we're going to do it. But looking back, it's like, this was, this was bizarre it was weird and so yeah. i think yeah. we're all fi- still probably processing that in some ways uh, some more than others uh, tumani thank you very much for being on here on this day seven slash to eight episode we will be back with you later in the tournament i'm sure yep okay have a super duper time in new york thanks for everybody for listening bye guys bye i'm off to sleep <laughs>